This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. We're talking real money. Oh, I hope you're not one of these people. Don't be one of these people. Which people am I talking about? Well, I read an article in Barron's, which I get through my Apple News subscription. <laughs> I think I probably pay for it too. I don't, you know, I pay for so many darn subscriptions, I can't keep track. There needs to be like a subscription tracker. Don't you need one of those? I know, I'm, I, I, I went off on a tangent. But do you remember all the things you have monthly payments going out for or annual payments? I know I don't. Every once in a while I go, what? I've been paying for that for three years? And then you go to try to cancel it? Have you ever noticed they don't like you to, they, they love for you to order online and get sucked into that monthly credit card debit. But have you ever noticed that it's really hard to cancel? Particularly some of the newspapers because I get a lot of newspapers. I read papers all the time online, not in paper. And canceling the subscriptions is like pulling teeth. You get to the subscription cancellation, argue with you about your decision department. Well, are you sure you wouldn't do it if I gave it to you for 50 cents a month? No, I'm done. Because after the first two months, you raise it to $29.99 a month. It's like the market watch deal. Hey, you can have the next four weeks for only a dollar. And after that, it's only $23 a month. Jeez. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, the Barron's article. Get this. According to a study, a survey by UBS, the Swiss bank, almost, get this, almost two-thirds of American investors are thinking about making portfolio changes this week or next. What? It's not even it's a it's a week and a half before the election. They're doing it because they're trying to properly position themselves for whatever happens after the election. If you're trying to properly position yourself, matter of fact, somebody in the article says, yeah, if you want to properly position yourself, we'll buy some of these kinds of stocks and then have some of these kind of stocks on the other side. So you covered yourself in either case, you know, like buy oil in case Trump wins, buy green stocks in case Biden wins. Well, isn't that like gambling, straddling both sides of the fence, though, with your gambles? And wouldn't it just make more sense to go ahead and have a diversified portfolio for the stock portion of your portfolio that maybe owns, oh, what, what, do you, what do you think, everything, all the stocks in the world? Then you don't even have to worry about what the dollar is doing because you own all the stocks in the world. Got dollar denominated and otherwise denominated. This, this is all a waste of time on the part of you, of money that you spend for all the experts to tell you what to do or not to do. 
and uh, it's it's a waste of your time to be following all this stuff. Build a portfolio that's right for you, for your risk profile, risk tolerance, risk need. Diversify all over the place. Keep costs low. You're done. Good job. Rebalance. That's it. It's too simple. This stuff is just too simple. Oh, now I mentioned uh, on the previous podcast that we had buckets and buckets of questions. So we're going to try and get through, I, th I think, maybe four or so of these today. And then we'll hold some over for tomorrow's talk show, which becomes a podcast next week. So we've got a lot of questions. Some short, some long, some complicated, lots and lots about taxes. So let me just do the overall preface for taxes. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a tax expert. My opinions are my opinions, and the information I give you is based on things that I am reading, but I don't make this my specialty. Okay? I'll give you the best answers I can. Always check with the professional. Let's start with this one. It's really quick. This one's quick. I have a taxable account and a Roth IRA. I am thinking about opening a traditional IRA. Is it a good idea? And yeah, I kind of like the idea of having both because we're talking about a future that's unpredictable. Let's say you are a great investor and you invest a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot over the next however many years you have, and you're going to be taking a lot of money out of your regular IRA, and it's going to cost you some, you know, some serious taxes at the end. Maybe tax rates go up. Who knows? Um, that's why you want to have a Roth, too, so that you have options. So it works the other way. Getting some, while you're in your high earning years, getting some tax breaks, too, not a bad thing. It's just a way to have a little additional flexibility. Do I think it's necessary? No. Do I lean more toward the Roth? Absolutely. Positively, yes. Okay, here's another Rothy one. Roth conversion and Roth contribution. Can I still do a Roth IRA contribution if my Roth conversion put me over the $206,000 a year married filing jointly income limit? This year I'll make $100,000 and I want to convert $140,000 to a Roth from my IRA. Does the Roth conversion count in the, uh, the, uh, the MAGI? the Modified Adjusted Gross Income. Yeah, it's income. It counts. I, you know, read the law every which way I can. There is no, it's part of your income. It's just like even capital gains become part of that adjusted gross number. So you're making money, it kicks your income up, you're paying taxes on it, it's part of your income when you convert an IRA, a Roth IRA. So no, you're only option would be something like a backdoor IRA where you fund a non-deductible IRA and then you know, go that way. Hope that helps. But yeah, it's income. It's going to count. Oh, and by the way, I just wanted to let you know, 855-935-TALK is our phone number, 855-935-8255. You can call that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you call on Saturdays between 3 and 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, you can actually chat with us live. We take calls live for those two hours on our radio show that airs in Seattle. So you can call anytime. 
leave us a question or send it in at talkingrealmoney.com and click on the contact form. <laughs> okay, this one's this one's interesting. This is not one I would have expected. The subject is Wisdom Tree ETFs. I am a Vanguard ETF investor. Wisdom Tree commercials tell me they have much better alternatives than my VTI, VXUS, and VBR. Are they correct? What are they really offering? Well, here's the difference. Vanguard's indexes, their ETFs, are market cap weighted. It means that the biggest companies have the biggest impact on the portfolio, and Wisdom Tree doesn't do that. They, they, they're smart alpha funds. In other words, they're trying to beat the market a little bit, and that's okay. I, I, I'm not totally opposed to that, but I'm also a little bit disappointed with the way they're marketed as if this is some magic formula which I'm not convinced it is. And and let's just look at numbers for a minute. Now, I had a, have a really hard time finding a true total market product from Wisdom Tree, total U.S. markets. I'm going to skip that. I'm just going to use the small cap, the VBR that you uh, you have. Uh, VBR compares, it's, the, it, the, its cousin at Wisdom Tree is EES, which is the Wisdom Tree U.S. Small Cap Earnings ETF. And so what I looked at is just the comparisons, the, the same kind of comparisons I try to always make with funds uh, because I'm not trying to predict the future. I can't predict the future. The expense ratio for the Wisdom Tree Small Cap Fund is 0.38% per year. The expense ratio for the Vanguard Small Cap ETF Fund is 0.05% or a third of a percent lower. So right away, you've got a third of a percent advantage. Uh, the portfolios, and you know I like more diversification rather than less. More diversification, I think, is is better for you. The uh, Let me pull up the wisdom tree. I want to have the number exactly right again. Um, they lean a little smaller in their small, so they're going to tend to be more aggressive, just a little bit smaller. Um, no, quite a bit smaller, actually. But they have, a, they have a less diversified portfolio. So their portfolio is 833 stocks, whereas Vanguard's portfolio has 1,402 stocks. So edge to Vanguard in diversification, edge to Wisdom Tree in terms of a smaller cap weighting, which makes sense because they're not market cap weighting. The bigger companies aren't taking up more of the portfolio. Now, how about how have these two funds done? The uh, they have decent track records. They've both been around. Let's see. Let me double check. Yeah, they both have more than ten years under their belt. And over the decade, the last ten years, which is not necessarily indicative of the next ten, the Wisdom Tree Small Company Index ETF returned right at nine percent per year on average, whereas the Vanguard was about eleven and a third percent per year on average. That's pretty substantial. Um, again, I don't. I'm not saying that's going to carry forward in the future. But when you look at their performance charts, the performance is similar. Uh, Vanguard took a 
a smaller hit in 2018 slightly, but did better in 2019. Done far better this year because this is a year that favors the larger companies. When it shifts back to small having a bigger edge, which it might do someday, Wisdom Tree should have an advantage on that score. So, uh, But is it enough? Is it worthwhile? And I'm not convinced. That's why you don't hear us suggesting the Wisdom Tree products. And the other thing I love to look at is the volatility, because this is one of the things that escapes most people's measure. You don't look at the volatility. And the volatility, when you have a diversified portfolio, it's that volatility that affects your emotions. The more volatile your investments the less likely you are to hang in with them because it means they fall further and they rise further and they fall further. And so therefore, you want to reduce what is called the standard deviation in your portfolio. It's just a number to measure volatility. And what we do is we try to use different types of funds that, you know, stocks and bonds and international and all these things to bring the volatility level down. And the Vanguard, because of its greater diversification, I'm willing to bet, has a huge edge. And I mean, it's a huge edge in standard deviation. The standard deviation of the Wisdom Tree Small Cap Fund is 27.5%. Almost 27 and two-thirds percent. Whereas the standard deviation on the Vanguard Fund, the small cap, is 22 and three quarters, almost 22.8%. Wow, that is a huge difference in standard deviation. It's a huge difference. You rarely see anything with a standard deviation, uh, uh, I'm sorry, mutual fund or ETF, with a standard deviation over 30. Getting up into a 30 standard deviation is dizzying for most investors. The typical standard, just to give you something to measure it by, the typical standard deviation for a balanced fund is uh, about, nine or so As a matter of fact you know here let's look at vanguard balanced index i'm just doing this on the fly uh the vanguard balanced index has a click 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 come on you move it along computer or internet or whoever's at fault gonna blame somebody uh where's that standard deviation yeah here okay 11 I was off a couple of points the vanguard balanced index has a standard deviation of about 11 11 compared to 27. A certificate of deposit has a standard deviation of zero. So it kind of gives you a means by which to judge. So am I, do I think they're better? No. Jeremy Siegel's pushing them. Jeremy Siegel's a smart man, but you also have to always, and I do this even with dimensional funds. You know, if they push dimensional themselves, the the the, the Frenches and the Famas and the other guys over dimensional, you know, I, I, I tend to take it with a grain of salt. If they push their research, that's one thing. But I, I see Jeremy Single in the commercial saying, this is better, this is better. Oh, is it really? I mean, is it that much better? Might it be? Yes. Is it? Is it? Has it been over a measurable period? Ah. Jury's still out. There are some things you can do, some tweaks, but I don't know that Wisdom Tree has the answer. There's lots of different answers. Uh, 
But for those of you who are do-it-yourselfers, I'd lean the Vanguard way because the costs are lower and the diversification is greater. And I know I spent a lot of time on that question, but I thought that was a really important question, uh, even though it was short, it was unique. And let's just see here what else we have. Uh, how about this one? The topic is solo 401k employer contribution. I have a solo 401k at Vanguard. It's an I-401k, same thing. And I max out the employee contributions, but I won't be able to calculate the exact salary for the employer contribution until after the December 31st deadline. What happens if I go over the 25% employer contribution? Back to my disclaimer about not being an accountant. But I went through, read the rules on I-401ks, and it appears to me that the employer portion can be modified up until you file your corporate taxes. If this is a sub S, uh, if it's sole prop, up until you file your individual taxes. So that nothing is cast in concrete until you get to that tax deadline. That is the way I read it. If I am wrong, I am sure someone will correct me. But that sounds right because that tends to be the rule on everything else. And the reality is nobody can know the exact number until after December 31st unless you pay everybody really early. So um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. And looking at the time, I'm thinking I'm, thinking I'm going to do just one more. <laughs> this is this is a really unique question, and I'm not 100% sure about the answer, but I'm pretty darn sure about the answer because I've run into this on a different, uh, slightly different area. The subject is overseas marriage. Hello, we were married in Fiji in 2000. Since the license is recognized in the U.S., we didn't file it in King County. As we have aged, I'm wondering if this will be an issue or delay things if something happens to one or both of us. I've heard about document struggles people face when they lose a loved one. If we should file, how do we go about that? All I see is how to register for a new license. Thank you. My understanding is, and I've dealt with this with a birth certificate situation from a foreign-born person, there is... When there's reciprocity, it's the same as the U.S. state-to-state -state reciprocity. So you get married in Kansas and you move to Washington. Your marriage license is absolutely recognized, proves that you are married, just as your Fiji marriage license will to prove that you were married before the death occurred. You, Generally speaking, I, as a matter of fact, I, I don't even, again, I could be wrong, but we just did it for my stepdad not long ago and my brother-in-law. And the only thing that was required, because everything was plated jointly between the, the spouse and the husband, either that or it was in a trust, and the trust takes care of it all, um, all we had to do was present certified copies of a death certificate. That was it. No marriage certificate was required. I don't think a marriage certificate would be required. 
Uh, but it is another argument for having assets in a trust because the trust can just distribute them as the trust document states they should be distributed. It does simplify things a little bit. I think I'm right about that one, too. Thank you so much for your questions. Remember, you can call anytime with yours at 855-935-TALK or send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. And as we like to mention, sometimes your issue is bigger than the things we can cover in the show. And a lot of you just go ahead and send us notes, and then we hook you up with one of our advisors because they're they're involved. But if you just want to cut out the middleman, me or Tom, you can set up on your own. It's really simple. You just go to vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com, and you click on the, uh, the any of the buttons that say set up an appointment, and you pick a time and a date and a means by which you'd like to communicate, and one of our fiduciary advisors will call you, will help you for free within limits. We're not going to manage your account forever for nothing. That would be bad from a business standpoint. Uh, we will. We can look over your documents, try to get you started on the right foot, try to get a plan going. You know, just help make it make more sense for you. Um, it is free, and I know you hear that a lot. Oh, free consultation. Yeah, I've been to some of those free consultations. They don't tell you what to do until you pay. Well, that's not the way we work. We tell you what we believe you should do, and we do it without a sales pitch. No high pressure, no pain in the neck. If you want to become a client, we'd love to have you join us. If you don't, we're glad you asked for help because we do want to make sure that even if you don't hire us, you don't get ripped off. You don't get misled. This is a pet peeve of all of ours. The number of people in this business who knowingly mislead you, and of course the few younger ones who just stupidly mislead you because they don't know better. I was once one of those. I admit it. I admit it. I was a stupid stockbroker selling Dean Witter income, Government Income Plus. Just, uh, had more risk. Of course, we were told it was no risk. So before you make a bad decision, check with us. If you want to get started on a better plan, you don't have one, check with us. If you want some help figuring out how much risk you can take and how to allocate, talk to us. Just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and make an appointment, or easier, just go to vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Tell friends, tell acquaintances, tell neighbors, put it on your face, put, put this podcast on your Facebook thing, uh, or tweet us, or Instagram us, or I don't know what else there is out there, or just call someone on the phone and say, hey, I was thinking about you. You had an issue with your money? Call Don and Tom, 855-935-TALK. Thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. 
Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap. 